Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome to episode 1590, 1590, almost at 1600. All of the regular listeners know what today is. It is a 10th episode show where we talk about a topic of general interest. And what is the topic of general interest nowadays? Well, it's the election. <laughs> and, uh, and we're going to dive into that uh, territory with uh, Dr. Steve Turley, who's back on the show. He has a huge YouTube following and really takes deep dives into uh, all of these uh, issues in terms of democratic ideals, political philosophy, and uh, current events. So we'll get to that in a moment. But first, I want to share with you a Bloomberg article that I am reading on Naresh posted this in our content group, and it is just as I predicted, folks. Now, this is an October 30th article, so the day before the scary day of Halloween, we saw this article about what I predicted about eight months earlier, eight and a half months earlier. And as I always say, in COVID time, that's yours because uh, things have moved so quickly. So the article is entitled, in the U.S., city rents are falling and suburban rents are climbing. New research from Apartment List shows how COVID-19 has transformed the rental housing market in U.S. metro areas. By the way, we have Apartment List coming on the show this week. They've been on a few times in the past. They're coming back on to talk about some new research, and I think you'll find that interesting. I believe that interview is scheduled for Thursday of this week, and we will probably publish it the following week. So uh, look forward to that. But this article just talks about how renters have never had so many options in Manhattan because the number of apartment listings in New York's most expensive borough has tripled from last year, the highest figure for vacancies in recent histories, in, in recent history. And the rents in Manhattan, in Queens, in Brooklyn, they have just imploded. So yet with all these bargains, renters are still staying away. And the same goes, the article says, the same goes for similar high-cost neighborhoods in Boston, Seattle, San Francisco, and other major cities where the bottom appears to be falling out for rents. So essentially here, you know, this is what I've been talking about for eight and a half months. It is playing out 
in huge proportions. I'm looking at a chart here, a graph that shows principal city versus suburbs. And the article drills down on this with some specific examples that I want to share with you. So uh, basically here, it shows that suburban rents, and, and this is, what is this? This is January 2020 till September of 2020. So this is a very short time period. And a lot of this has yet to play out. But I think the trend is very, very clear, isn't it? So they're talking about how the core city area, the urban core, rents are down more than 5%. Now, remember, this is only nine months. Okay, it's not even a year. And that's a that's a very significant decline. And of course, the rents are even more pronounced in some of these areas than they are in others. This is just, uh, you know, cumulative, the top 30, the top 30 US metropolitan areas in nine months. And these suburban areas, the suburbs of those same urban cores are up about 0.7%. So almost 1% up in nine months. Now, remember something. This is the suburban area just outside of the urban core. This is not overall where I have predicted people will move to. These are the people that want to be still somewhat close to the city. Maybe they're optimistic. Maybe they're thinking the tide will turn, things will shift, the crazy riots will stop. There will be a vaccine, COVID will uh, go off into the distance, or maybe they think COVID is just a big scam to press the population and whatever, which, you know, there's some, there's some reasonable theories for that uh, out there. But whatever the case, that's what they say. But here is where things get, you know, even more granular. So let's look at Boston as an example. Couple charts here, and again, the same time period. And if you look at Boston, uh, they look at several suburban areas in Boston, and some of them with declining rents. Remember, this is just suburbs of that city. It's not the people that said, hey, let's get out of Boston, let's get out of Beantown, uh, and let's go to Florida, right? And live in suburbia in Florida. It's not that. These are the related suburbs. So it's all a matter of impression to some extent, right? Where people are, it's a shade of gray. Some are more suburban than others. You know, I grew up in Los Angeles, right? So it's hard to know exactly in a city like LA and probably, you know, I've certainly been to Boston many times, where you draw the line between the urban core and the suburbs. That's not always totally obvious, right? But in Boston, the highest suburban market rent increase was about 5%. Yet the urban rent decrease, which is a core city, that's a, a, a very thick line on the chart, a dark line, so you can, you can see it, is down about 8% versus up 5%. So the delta between the two is a 13% delta. That's very significant, right? San Francisco, all of those are down. Now, you know, I don't know, do they have suburbs in San Francisco? They have suburbs of San Francisco, but San Francisco is a very compact city. But 
some of the places are much more downtownish than others in San Francisco. Like if you look at the Marina District, for example, in San Francisco, would you call that the suburbs of San Francisco? I don't know. It's certainly not downtown. You know, it's very walkable. People live in in two or maybe like two and a half, three-story places, sometimes even one-story places, not many of those. But they're certainly not like living in high-density type of environment. But in San Francisco, everything's down across the board, okay? Suburbs, urban core, everything's down. And the urban core, by the way, is down almost 20%. That is the biggest decline of all of them. Seattle, urban core, down almost 10%. Suburbs, up as high as about 6% in some of them. Washington, similar story. New York, similar story. My hometown, Los Angeles, similar story. But again, there's only one core, one urban core, and there's lots of suburbs in a lot of these places, right? You can go in all directions and find suburbs. So it really does require just sort of common sense thinking. Uh, and, um, and one of the quotes here in the article is interesting. It says, record low interest rates and severe housing shortages had many people already primed to leave the city, the pandemic gave them a push. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. Now, another interesting part of it, they also take into account some of these uh, like second tier cities, right? Charlotte, Kansas City, Las Vegas, Sacramento, Phoenix, Tampa. You know, these are not trophy what I'll call first-tier cities. They're not San Francisco. They're not LA. They're not New York. They're not any of these places. And here you see that the urban areas of Charlotte down, urban areas of Kansas City actually up a little bit in terms of rent prices. Las Vegas. Now, by the way, I want to give you something that can really skew that. Okay. So if the urban core is being uh, highly renovated and there's a lot of new construction in it. Even if those are, are places that people generally don't want to live because the new properties are so much more luxurious, so much nicer, and so much more expensive to construct, that could show an upward trajectory in rent prices just because all that lower quality stock got knocked down or remodeled, right? So that's definitely something I've seen happening. So, you know, again, you got to peel back the onion on these things, folks. This is the stuff, it just requires thinking it through, not just blindly looking at statistics, but thinking it through. Las Vegas, up in most of it. But again, Las Vegas, that's a really funky city. You know, I am, even though I don't like Las Vegas very much, I am glad I had the experience of living there for a year and a half because it really helped me understand that Las Vegas is three cities in one. It's not one, it's three. It's the slums, it's the suburbs like Summerlin and Henderson, and it's the Strip. And it's three very distinct uh, things. Sacramento, everything is up. Sacramento is pretty much all suburban, and it has the government, the capital of California, the state capital. So again, as the government expands and there's lots of money being doled out, you know, <laughs> people always want to hang around the government, right? Because you can, you can get your hand out. Phoenix, 
pretty much up all around. Phoenix doesn't have much of an urban core. I mean, it's got a little bit of a downtown. Uh, one of our investment counselors, Carrie, who you've heard on the show many times, she lives in downtown Phoenix, and it's got some kind of cool areas downtown, but, you know, their downtown isn't very downtownish. Uh, you know, I mean, I looked at, I considered living in downtown Phoenix myself many times, never did. I lived in um, Tempe and Scottsdale and uh, also in one Phoenix area when I lived there for six years. But Phoenix, it's hard to call that a downtown, even the downtown area. Tampa, mostly up all around, um, all around. Okay. But again, Tampa doesn't have much of a downtown either. Okay. Their downtown is a very small downtown, not much to it, but there certainly is a uh, high rise wave in uh, all of these places to one degree or another. So just thought I would share that with you. Okay. Let's get to our 10th episode. By the way, a lot of you still taking advantage of our asset protection 2.0 web class, and that's available at jasonhartman.com slash protect, jasonhartman.com slash protect. And I'm getting a lot of great feedback, a lot of people saying they're learning a whole lot on that subject by attending that webinar. And uh, some of you are getting involved with our attorney who uh, really is about the lowest price I've ever seen for what he does. He's, uh, he's a great deal, no question about it. So check that out, jasonhartman.com slash protect. And remember, this is a 10th episode show. So the rest of the show, we will not be talking about income property, but we will be back tomorrow to talk more about that. We are talking about the election uh, with Dr. Steve Turley, who has some really interesting insights. And here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome. These are very trying times for democratic ideals, for fairness, for the country. And we have Dr. Steve Turley here to talk to us about what is going on with election fraud, voter fraud, this attempt to steal the election. And I want to make the disclaimer that I don't know who won the election. <laughs> you know, I just want to know the truth. And Steve Turley, uh, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Jason. Thank you so much for having me today. It's great to be back with you. It's good to have you on again. And I asked you to come on specifically because of the absolutely chaotic time America is facing. I think our representative republic or democracy, whichever you believe it to be, is really under maybe some of the, the greatest stress it's ever been under. Obviously, we've had a civil war in this country who know, who knows but these these are definitely trying times and it is uh it is absolutely astonishing what is going on right now it seems as though the mainstream media and the big tech companies are pushing an agenda i think that's become extremely clear they can't stop all the speech but they're squashing it out where they can and their algorithms are getting better and better at doing it all the time by the way, this is live, so if you have any questions or comments, feel free to comment below, post them. Also, post below whether you think a Trump won or Biden won, and where you're where you're watching from, because we'd love to hear hear from you. Uh, so, Steve, just give us an overview, if you would, as to what your latest thoughts are here. We're we're six days since the election. What's your latest thinking? Well, I think you want to look at this, I mean, in terms of big picture, I think you want to look at this as sort of the best of time we were talking about earlier, the best of times, worst of times election. And that's because if you think it through running up to the election, the left threw virtually everything they have at us 
So you had a media monolith that gave us 100% coverage, negative coverage against Trump. I mean, in many ways, I, I, they weren't even journalists. They were just hecklers at the end of it all. You had big tech censoring, you know, for Facebook, Twitter and the like, Google. The New York Post. <laughs> New York, yeah, yeah, censoring uh, the, the Biden The White story. House press secretary. So, so, and Trump himself. And, and the president himself. Yeah, the president himself. And, and that was just, just a prelude to yeah. this barrage of censorship that they're doing. I mean, Trump can't tweet out anything without some kind of qualified Twitter qualification, some kind of weaponized fact checking. You had uh, suppression polls being pushed on us that were telling us that Biden was going to win upwards of uh, seven by 17 points in Wisconsin. CNN had on the day of the election that he was ahead and the general vote, the popular vote by 10 percent. He ended up supposedly winning it by just one uh, percent. Wisconsin's still a squeaker. It's being decided by just uh, a few thousand votes. You had the NBA, you had the NFL coming out, giving us a masterclass on politically correct wokeness beforehand <laughs> and pushing the BLM movement. And you had the medical and science uh, professionals coming out and making commercials against uh, Donald Trump. You had thousands of them signing petitions saying that they wanted Biden as president, not Trump. And again, these are the same people who signed letters of affirmation and support for BLM and Antifa activists uh, running around um, uh, becoming super spreaders, uh, but uh, apparently are not when you have the right political ideology. All that's going on, plus on top of it, the biggest mail-in voter fraud in the history of our nation uh, orchestrated and perpetuated in primarily five states. And they still only won by just a few thousand votes. President Trump got the most votes of any sitting president in history. He beat Barack Obama's vote, single greatest vote tally by far from 2008. 71 million people came out and told that whole conglomerate that I just gave you to uh, forgive me, basically F off. They gave him one big, huge middle finger. And they said, we don't buy the big tech censorship. We don't buy what the mainstream media says. We don't buy the suppression polls. We don't buy the NBA and NFL wokeness. We don't buy these so-called media and science you know, professionals. We, and we certainly now don't buy these election results given all the anomalies and the like. So it was a huge night in many ways for Trump. You have to remember 11 to 16 seats have been picked up in the House. Uh, Trump got a record number of blacks voting him, upwards of 15 percent. That's the highest we've seen since 1972 for Republicans. And, and, and he did very well with Hispanic voters. Oh, my. It could. Yeah, it could be hitting up to 35 to 40 percent in general. In Florida, 70 uh, percent of Cuban Americans voted for Trump. It was an well, absolute Cuban, Cubans are, you know, they get it. Okay. They know the evils of socialism and communism. Okay. Cubans understand because they were there. Okay. Right. And, and Venezuelans understand it too. But, you know, Americans, they don't know history, right? It's, it's super scary. I, I mean, older Americans know history because history used to actually be taught in school, but now it's just this revisionist woke bullshit. I mean, it's, I'm just going to say it. That's what it is. It's, it's absolute crap. They've rewritten the history books. It's 
Fahrenheit 451. It's 1984 Orwellian. I, I mean, I'm absolutely astonished at the stuff I read and at the way they have revised language. Literally, they are revising language as they're revising history. You know, and here's the amazing thing, Steve, that people just don't know. They never know what they don't see or hear. Nobody knows what they don't see or hear, right? You can never hear the dogs that don't bark. And right. that's what has been completely excluded from the last really generation and a half or two generations of students in schools and universities. It's absolutely shocking. Let's grab a couple of these questions and comments, and we're going to go in-depth here, folks. Steve has, has, is going to stay with us for a while here. We're going to share the screen. We've got some stuff to show you. We're going to like take a blow-by-blow blow at some of these election anomalies that are going on. But Ruben, uh, Ruben Soto is asking, will Trump win these lawsuits? Is that an uphill battle, uh, Steve? And, and by the way, you know, I would even say it's not will Trump win. It's will the voters win? It's will democratic ideals that founded this country, will they win? Yeah, great question. And of course, that's the $64,000 question, right? And that's that's the case with any kind of legal uh, situation you go into. That's why you try to settle out of court. Yeah, we'll have that. Well, that's, let's put it this way. Answer the question in two ways. One, if he wins, this election gets overturned. That's in effect what is going to happen because what they're doing right now, what we have to remember is that in four or five of these states that are in question, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, if I recall, the, the date and time for the establishment of the election which is from the Constitution, I believe it's Article 1, Section 4, the Constitution delegates solely to legislatures. That date and time was adjusted and revamped by non-legislative officials. So this was most explicit in, for example, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania had their Supreme Court come in and adjust the time set explicitly by what's called Act 77. You can look it up. It's actually a very easy law to read online. Act 77. You can read Justice. Yeah, Act 77. You can read Justice Alito's four-page, if I recall, decision. Well, semi-decision or pre-decision on it on why they were going to take it up. He wrote on behalf of the conservatives on the Supreme Court, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, uh, notwithstanding, she was still getting briefed at the time, so she wasn't part of it. She will be, as I understand it, for the decision. But he basically said you had 8 p.m. on the day of the election set as the non-negotiable deadline for all votes in Pennsylvania all votes, mail-in, early person, you know, you name it, in person, all votes, 8 p.m. So you don't have these shenanigans that ended up happening in Wisconsin and Michigan and with, Pennsylvania. With 4 a.m. vote delivery, right? Exactly. You can't be right. You're, it's, it, you're, you're, you're in effect engaged in a do-over. Oh, so this is how many votes we need? Okay, here you go. All the votes had to be in and accounted for with a whole chain of custody, some kind of verifiable chain of custody there. And as long as that's all in place, count away. But what they found is that there were a number of votes that were allowed in by the Supreme Court up to three days after the 8 p.m. November 3rd deadline. And that's a a state Supreme Court. 
That's a state Supreme Court. Uh, uh, Pennsylvania, right? You're talking exactly. about Exactly. Exactly. And what the Bush, I'm sorry, Bush, listen to me. I'm going back to 2000. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. So now we've got five Floridas, right? So what the Trump administration is doing is they're, in effect, saying their lawyers, Rudy particularly, uh, Giuliani is saying that, um, arguing that any vote that was counted after 8 p.m. is by definition an invalid vote. Sam Alito appears to agree with that. So he demanded that those votes, all votes that arrived in, all ballots after 8 p.m. on November 3rd have to be sequestered. They have to be separated from the other votes, the votes that arrived before, and they cannot be included in the vote total which would be very interesting. And he had to, or as I understand, he had to issue that order twice because they didn't listen to him at first. So he had to come back again on Friday night and say, uh, I better have made myself very clear. You need to sequester the any and all ballots that came in after 8 p.m. for review, and you cannot count them in with whole. So what that means is what Alito's his, again, pre-decision brief basically stated was, it seems pretty clear that the United States Constitution was violated by uh, legislation from the bench. If you wanted to change the time that ballots were allowed in for to be counted, if you were in the legislative branch, you would have to have new legislation. It would have to get reconciled. It'd have to go through your committees. It'd have to get adjusted. You vote on the new bill and and then it, get, it becomes law. The, what you basically had was the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania Act in a judicial fiat, judicial decree, just came in, took a pen, and changed the date. But Article 1, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution says the only people who are allowed to change the date are legislatures. Legislatures have the sole responsibility. So what we're finding is we're, there's actually several states involved here that had extra non-legislative officials changing the date, and that's getting challenged at, at every level. And when you have five-vote conservative majority in the Supreme Court that despises legislation from the bench, I think there's a very, very good chance that uh, these votes could get overturned. So remember, I, folks, the way our system works is that the judges don't make the law and they don't change the law. They only interpret the law. That's what their their job is, right? So you get this judicial activism, which is completely unconstitutional, right? We've got the other two branches to, you know, make or veto laws. They write laws and, you know, they have a whole process, how a bill becomes a law, right? We all learned that when we were kids. But but this is, <laughs> the judges, are, courts aren't making laws, right? They're not supposed it would, to. Make. It would have been a very different song of, I'm just a bill, right? I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'm just a judge and you yeah. know, a judge right. can just come in and write the law. Now, so what they should have done, as I'm understanding, is uh, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania should, should have said, because of what they they use the term natural disaster in terms of COVID. Because of COVID, there needs to be an extension. So sorry, as written, this law we find is unconstitutional. We're handing it back to you. We think it violates people's due process, whatever. They find equal protection of the law, whatever it happens to be. But so you got to go and write rewrite it and then resubmit it. Instead, they just went ahead and rewrote it. And Sam Alito's already said, that seems like a pretty obvious violation of uh, of Article 1, Section 4. So if that's the case, if those, so if that gets overturned, and, and then if Michigan and Wisconsin get overturned, and then the glitch issue 
with the Dominion voting systems ends up becoming an issue. No, this this is I mean, this is an election that's been cited by just a few thousand decided by just a few thousand votes. This could change everything. So I think I, I talked about this earlier today, if I may, uh, Jason, on uh, our first video on something called the Stockdale principle. Are you familiar with this? Because it's it, it's something that business guys are kind of. Yeah, I've heard of it. Tell us more. Yeah, it's really cool because so the Stockdale principle is named after Admiral Stockdale, who was you know Ross Perot's running mate in nineteen. I, I remember him. Yeah, yeah, it was and it was really the first populist, major populist revolt. It was sort of a you know a, a telegraph. But it, but it probably lent, led to the uh, massive increase in size and power of the Clinton crime empire. But, it it uh, sure did. It sure did. Yeah, so yeah. He was great. <laughs> he was. He was, he and was, he was right. You know, he was your first is, Trump. He was just like, they're all a bunch of morons. Throw them all out. Let's clean out the barn. That was his his yeah. Texan sort of. Uh, Instead of drain the swamp. Yeah. Drain the swamp. It was clean out the barn. Drain the swamp's far more. Trump is a master at being able to brand things. So, But yeah, you got me. Bro ain't too bad himself. He was a brilliant businessman. But so Stockdale was the highest ranking naval officer to be a POW in Vietnam. And as during the whole time of his capture with his with his men, they were subject to constant torture, you know, physical, mental, emotional, you name it. And all his men said that what got him through is what they called the Stockdale principle. It's also known as Stockdale paradox. You've got to have absolute confidence and hope that you're going to get through this. But that absolute confidence and hope cannot cloud the seriousness of your situation and how you need to best respond to it. And so what business guys have said is, oh, I forget who wrote that book, um, From Good to Great. Are you familiar with that Jim one? Jim Collins. There you go. That's it. That's it. That's that's probably one of the best articulations of Stockdale principle I've seen in business literature, where he pointed out that what's when all said and done, what separates, among other things, what separates great companies from good or mediocre companies is great companies never lose confidence that we're going to get through this. Right. But they never sugarcoat the issues that they're facing, the seriousness of the issues that they're facing. But I just want to point out, look at what the media and big tech have done. As of Saturday, when the AP had the nerve to just fabricate the idea of calling Biden as the president, that's absurdity. And they've released articles which are complete falsehoods saying that Melania wants uh, you know Trump to concede <laughs> and other Trump family members are telling that that's just a complete lie that that's total fabrication it, it's unbelievable what they're trying to do is demoralize uh, the voters and really the the legislature and it just every yeah. the judicial branch everything yeah. into believing this is a foregone conclusion. It right. is not a foregone conclusion. Right. It is absolutely unbelievable. It, right. it really is. So yeah. comment on that. And then, Steve, let me pop a couple of these questions and comments up. And let's just address them in like a lightning round because there's so many sure. coming in. And yeah. keep them coming, folks. We love your questions yeah. and comments. But go ahead with what you're saying there. And then I'm going to pop these on the screen. For no, you. so that's a great point. So when, when all is said and done, you're dealing with an election where 71 million Americans told the media to shove it. And that includes Fox News, by the yep. way. 
They told, they told, um, which we should talk about too, their ratings are collapsing oh. here. I know you've got a good article on that. Yeah. So yeah, there. so you have 71 million Americans that told the media through their concerted effort over the last four years to delegitimize Trump, to shove it. Do you think they're listening to that media now? Yeah. No, mm-hmm. absolutely not. So, but you're not going to see that. What does the media do? The media puts forward their narrative. This It's always, it's a two-step dance. They put forward their narrative. And then what do they do? They It's, it's a process known as selectivity. They select the Mitt Romneys of the world and the Chris Christie's and the George W. Bushes of all people. Talk about a hypocrite par excellence. And they bring them all out and they say, well, look at this. Look at this. You see, these are Republicans that tell Trump, you know, it's time to concede, bring the country together. It's time to heal. You know, you need to you need to stop this for the good of the country. But they're not the healers. They're the most divisive, intolerant <laughs> people ever. That's it, it, exactly right. It's such a, I cannot believe some people fall for that. Yeah, there's just like no critical thinking ability anymore. Yeah, it's absolutely astonishing. And and if there really was, as it does appear because of all the anomalies and irregularities, if there really was mass voter fraud, you and I can know that the vast majority of American people do not fall for it. The vast majority, 71 million voters more than any sitting president has ever gotten Mm -hmm. has come have come out and said collectively to the media, we do not believe you. Right. So, I mean, that's that's very, very powerful stuff. So whatever narrative they want to keep spinning, mm-hmm. they're ju- it's just an echo chamber. And that's what you have to remember. And that's why alt media, like what you're doing, Jason, what I'm doing with all these, you know, Gateway Pundit, Breitbart, they're all doing. Uh, that's when they become, we all collectively uh, together, uh, along with our listeners, because they're part of the story. That's what's so wonderful about it. Uh, with alt media, we become more important than ever in that sense. But, but let me tell you, folks, here's the danger. And this danger, we've, we're have we already seeing so many examples of it. We see absolute scumbags like Jack Dorsey, who doesn't care about the democratic process. He doesn't care about fair. He now looks like, you know, a Charles Manson knockoff. Yeah, I was right? going to say, he doesn't care much about his appearance either, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, we, sadly, the alt media has built its house on rented land. And all of these tech companies have control and they can shut us off at any moment. And they keep doing it. And the Google antitrust case will probably evaporate if Biden takes office. That'll just evaporate because, you know, big tech is paying him off and, you know, paying off his his cohorts and so forth. So it's a it's a very dangerous situation, very dangerous time for freedom of thought. It really is. So look at the screen, Steve. Let's just grab a couple of these things in lightning round fashion. You know, we got so many comments. I just want to see if we can just, you know, get to, you know, all of them or most of them quickly here. So uh, this person's from Dallas. Do we have watermark QFS ballots or not? I remember hearing about that in the news, Steve. Any thoughts? Yeah, the only thing with that is it's not a part of uh, Trump's legal team's uh, challenge. What they're doing is they're trying to throw out votes based solely on the illegality of the votes themselves and or the illegality of the uh, the process. Like I, I'm wondering why they didn't make as many arguments as they could. I I, I don't know, but. Yeah, so that's all. It's just it's not part of the narrative as we speak now. I know it's out there, but it's not it's not being directed immediately in terms yeah. of the actual litigation. 
the Brexiters are praying for Trump. Hey, I, you know, you know, we got our independence from England <laughs> 241 years ago or whatever. And they, they got their independence from the EU, you know, this unaccountable government body. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of like the fact checkers at Facebook. Who are these fact checkers? Do they have names? They're all left wingers. It's all been weaponized. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a weaponized kangaroo court. It's like, yeah, a oh, sure, sure. And every, and again, 71, that's the beauty. And, yeah, and this is what everyone, I, if anything, we may maybe need to create shirts, Jason, for this. 71 million Americans agree. Yeah. They agree exactly with what you said. It's a kangaroo court. These fact checkers are nonsense. Now, nearly 100, we're getting within earshot of 100 million Americans say, voting Americans saying we don't buy anything to say. By the way, Brexit, June 23rd, 2016, in many ways, that got the ball rolling all across the West, the Brexit was the most amazing vote ever in terms of just the yeah. the, uh, the the wonderful things that followed. It, it was great news. They got their independence with zero bloodshed. But, That's you funny. know, they've got their own problems because they've ruined their own country, just like most of the rest of Europe. I'd say almost every country in Europe has attempted to commit suicide, except maybe Poland. You know, it's like the only one that seems to be you know, Hungary too. Yeah. Victor Orban's Hungary. Yeah. Hungary too, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I don't know much about it, but, but yeah, it's absolutely uh, scary. Hey, we, we do know each other, John. Doe. <laughs> <laughs> we all, we all, we all, we all support each other. That's the yeah. beauty of what we do here. Yeah. 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 Here we got a fan of both of us. The room oh, that's is a fan great. Of of yeah. That's Good great. Stuff. Good stuff. Okay, can cryptography and uh, blockchain voting remain uh, regain trust in the system? You know, that's a good question, maybe. Yeah, George Gilder has been arguing that. He has a book, uh, Life After Google, if I recall. Yeah, really he's good been, book. been on my show many times, and he's busy with oh. the new book. I just talked to him last week. He spoke at one of our events last year, and he said after he gets done with his book, he'll come back on the show. But now I want to talk to him more than ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that will be an interesting conversation because I think he is arguing that, that you have a new internet architecture. We are moving into what's called a network society as opposed to a mass society. Mass societies where you have big cities and everything is a mass together. That's where you get big media from. And so you, it's very location specific. So if you want to get in the movies, you got to go to Hollywood. If you want to get in finance, you got to go out to... Wall Street or some financial center. And if you want to get into country music, you got to go to Nashville. It needs to be decentralized and flattened. That's what's happening. Speaking of which, you know, look at this comment, right, from Goodwater Ale. Okay, Trump lost, losers are in denial, cult-like. You know, that is ridiculous. No, 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 hold on, hold on, ready? He doesn't know that Trump lost. Let me me just adjust that, ready? Hillary lost, losers are in denial and continue a cult-like illogical following of Hillary's lies and information about misinformation about Russia. Yeah. Now, that, I mean, this is absurd. They have no leg to stand on, so I don't even know where they're coming from. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Listen, we don't know. I just want to know who won. That's right. all I want right. to know. Yeah. I, I'm not saying Trump won. You notice I haven't said that, okay? I right. thought he would win, though, like toward the to leading right up to the election with the size of those rallies and the fact that Joe Biden had like nobody show up at his rallies. And he was sitting in his basement as Trump, the energizer bunny that he is. Like, I can't believe how much energy that man has for 74 years old. He was out working 19 hour days, you know, yeah. zillions of people at his rallies, support, you know, just look, use your common sense. 
Okay. Yeah. It just yeah. looked like he was going to be the winner, right? Well, he was, you know, he was winning. I went to bed at around 2 a.m. And my the last video I, I, I was doing video updates throughout the night was Trump wins re-election. Richard Barris had him at 295 uh, electoral votes because he is hundreds of thousands of votes ahead in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Georgia. And then, and keep in mind too, I mean, we have some other fascinating indicators. We were talking about this earlier. The candidate who wins Florida and Ohio has won 26 of the last 27 elections. So, yeah, so the those, last, those are, those are bellwether. Those uh, are bellwether right. indicators and, and they show the irregularity here. The other one was, and by the way, that one election that that did get lost. That was 1960 when Jack Kennedy stole it. Interestingly enough, by less than a hundred thousand votes. If I but, but listen, today I would vote for Kennedy. Oh okay? sure, like, sure, he, sure. He was a he was a fantastic Democrat. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And and you know everything has moved so much more to the left, right? Yeah. That even the re- most conservative Republican of today is like a Democrat of old, right? Right. right exactly. So you know, it's just all moved. To the I've, I've heard it. I've heard it put this way. To put it in perspective, if you took your typical Democrat and had him get into a time machine and come into 2020, he'd be considered a Republican. If you yeah. take your typical Democrat in 2020, have them go back into time machine in 1960, they'd be considered a madman. Yeah, <laughs> they'd be considered insane. Yeah, and that's the way we need to, you know, to, to think about it. Here's another one, uh, just an anomaly. Out of the ten bellwether counties uh, that, uh, when candidates win them, these are scattered throughout primarily the battleground states. When and these are counties I'm looking at, right, like Ashtabula County and Ohio and all that. The candidates that win them almost always go on to win the general election. Trump won nine of those 10 counties and often by 20 points. The one exception was in Delaware, Sussex County, the, the, the southernmost county in Delaware that normally goes for the winner. But of course, it went Biden this time yeah. because of his connections. So there were so many bizarre irregularities yeah. in this. Uh, Biden has had under this is another one from Richard Barris from the People's Pundit. Biden had underperformed in every single major municipality given 2016 norms. He underperformed in every municipality for the exception of four, right? Madison, Wisconsin, Detroit, Michigan, Philly, Pennsylvania, and Atlanta, Georgia. Well, what do you know? What's flipped? What flipped the election, so to speak? So yeah. you know, you you look at this. We I'll, I'll put the link to this in the chat here. But this is unbelievable. You know, all of these anomalies, and and we don't have to go through them all. But it's just you look at Milwaukee, you look at Allegheny, Pennsylvania, you look at Chicago. I mean, there's just anomalies everywhere, like these statistical anomalies, anomalies, (laughs) um, these historical anomalies that just don't make any sense. And you're bringing some of those up, Steve, but it's just, uh, these things don't make sense. There's too many questions. Right. Right. There there are. And those questions are going to linger and, and they are, they are dejecting or, you know, disenfranchising. Uh, 71 million voters. That's not something that's going to disappear so much overnight. Again, I want to go back to this best of times, worst of times uh, sense too, because we also have to remember that in many respects, and commentators are saying this now, 
while Trump may have lost, Trumpism has won. Because in this election, nobody was saying, nobody was arguing, we need to open up the floodgates to the borders. Nobody was arguing, we need to ship our manufacturing and it's particularly our pharmaceutical manufacturing back to China. I I mean, the people that really did vote for Biden, that legitimately support Biden, they must be independently wealthy, which, you know, a lot of very, there are a lot of very, very rich liberals for sure. And, you know, I always say that liberalism is great if you can afford it, right? You know, that's it's like the luxury of the rich, right? Right, right. Or the luxury of the very poor who believe they're going to get a handout, right? But the reality of that, for anybody who really thinks it through, is that, you know, the left hurts the poor because they cause inflation with all their policies, and that hurts the poor the most. Steve, I just got to interject one thing. Look at these, some of the Milwaukee stuff. Here you have 202% turnout. (laughs) Here you have 201% turnout, okay? How does that, how is that possible? (laughs) This is, yeah, this is precisely the stuff that's going to be brought up in these lawsuits. It's just evidence of total fraud. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just unbelievable. And and look, folks, I'll, I'll put this link in the comments so you can look at it yourself. OK, there are just too many very legitimate, very legitimate questions here, aren't there? Steve, you want to grab a couple more of these questions? I know you have to sure. wrap it up here soon, but just a couple of questions, comments. I love what uh, John Doe says. I know three people that voted for Biden. I know about three also. So (laughs) just again, using your common sense, right? So blockchain, yeah, completely. Yeah, that's um, that's exactly what uh, George Gilder is saying. Yep, yep. Were those votes actually sequestered? Uh, The Pennsylvania votes, originally not, apparently. Originally not. And that's why Sam Alito uh, was very irritated about that and said, uh, you, you better separate those votes. Yeah. So again, that's only going to go against Biden and the Democrats uh, to the extent that they haven't. That's uh, only, yeah, only Pennsylvania Supreme Court gets to change the law, yeah, right? Totally, exactly, totally. Right. Ruben says, love your, love your work. Okay, you give me hope in these crazy political climate. Why aren't more Republicans not calling out their support for Trump? Well, you know, it's the silent majority. You know, this is how 2016 happened. People don't want to be labeled with these ridiculous labels that these mental midgets on the left label them with. And frankly, the people on the right are mostly reasonable, nice people. They just don't want to have their life ruined, right? So that that's the thing. Just yeah. imagine if it flipped this if this was on the left. How many cities would be burning right now if you think yeah. it through? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, come on, you know. So, no, what he says is, and that's a, that's a beautiful question because I think it just gets the sentiment of why so many supported Trump. He was fearless, yeah. right? Romney is a coward oh, and okay. Trump is fearless. And it okay. didn't matter what it was whether it was building the wall or taking on China or was standing up for traditional values and so forth. He had no problem. Think about it. He did Think about who he nominated for the Supreme Court. It wasn't these squishy John Edwards. It wasn't these, you know, milquetoast sort of David Souters or Anthony Kennedy's who said he went to the Federal uh, Federalist Society said, give me the list of your most trusted conservative judicial scholars and, and uh, judges. Those are my guys. Those are the ones I want to put up there. And 
So he was just fearless uh, and is fearless, I should say. I don't want to talk. I don't want to sound like we're right in the obituary. He does not care about being liked. Right. Um, What he cares about is doing right. Uh, You know, look, I'm not saying I would trust Trump in like a business deal necessarily. I know he would be looking out for number one. Okay. But I do believe he has a deep love for the country and for the middle class. And Absolutely. he has gone to bat for them. There's just no question about it. And right. uh, the folks supporting Biden, they're usually in that middle class. You know, yeah, most right. of them are. Right. right? And, right. and Or the diminishing middle class. And that's who Trump right. is uh, supporting. Anyway, just grab any of these, Steve. I'll, I'll just move through them because I know you hey, well, there are lots of crazy other record has been. Well, well, we'll see about that again. That's going to be in maybe in the public opinion or, or in the media. But again, 71 million people aren't listening to the media anymore. And this is where the Supreme, ultimately, all of this comes back to SCOTUS. If they take these cases and so forth, again, it's anybody's guess how a five-vote conservative bloc is going to, to vote here. They may really turn this stuff upside down. Yeah, you'll see. Arizona, no, the count is not done last I knew, right? Right. Still right. military ballots and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, here is more. I'm trying to get to some new people, not the same people every time, but go ahead and grab any comments. Well, we'll see. I mean, we've got the signed affidavits of uh, 40 to 60 people, some of those in Wisconsin, uh, talking about how they were eyewitnesses to election fraud. So we'll see how that plays out in the courts. Yeah. And uh, Brent, I completely agree with you. It's This is about a fight for the system, okay? It really is. From Edinburgh. Edinburgh. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us from far away. That's awesome. That's right. Good stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, there are some news outlets that uh, you really can be listening to. You know, I've noticed Sky News Australia is pretty like balanced. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Keep spreading. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, this is the media is at the heart of this this coup, uh, the media and the deep state are absolutely intertwined. And we found that, you know, studies showed that anywhere from 91, 95% of the media's coverage of Trump was negative. That's by design. And again, at the end- And, and he's still got the most votes of any president ever. Exactly, exactly. 71 million Americans have turned ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox off. Yeah. Yeah. They're done with them, and now they're going to Newsmax and alt media and what we're doing the, the here. The only thing I'll say about Fox, though, is they still have who I think is the most brilliant person in the media, and that's Tucker Carlson. TFTC, yeah, brilliant. You know, let's let's put it this way: TC wanted to start his own network. I think he can. That's what Glenn Beck did. You know, so. That's Come great. on, jump off their train and do your own thing. Yeah, and you do your own thing and get syndicated out on Newsmax for some yeah, exactly. Stuff. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and same with Laura Ingram too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All of yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, I do believe in a global media scam. I think I think we are witnessing it uh, absolutely, Steve. Yeah, sure. So globalism, by its nature is a telecommunications, a technology and telecommunications system that by its nature collectivizes because it, the borders and boundaries stop, stop growth. They, they stop scaling. And globalism offers, the, the allure of globalism is that it offers the capacity to scale your business at heights no human civilization has ever known. Amazon is infinitely larger than the Roman Empire ever was. Yeah. 
So, so that's why we have this winner take all thing. Yeah. Two big, always left leaning companies, whether exactly, exactly. Left leaning because it's globalist by its nature, right? right? Yeah, totally. I know. Right. Really is. Now, the Senate races in Georgia, again, you know, we'll see. I mean, this is crazy time, but it should, they should be generally safe. The idea that Georgia's going to send two left wing radicals to the Senate is. It's a bit much even for common commentators. I mean, it's one thing to vote against Trump. It's a whole other thing to vote against, you know, hometown candidates that have been born and bred in a pretty conservative environment. But again, it comes down to voter fraud in Atlanta. That's what it's really going to be coming down to. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I mean, these crazy ballots that where they only voted for president. Right. By a hundred thousand margin. Yeah. Vote for Biden. And that was the whole ballot. Like they yeah. didn't vote for any senates, any judge, any propositions, anything else. It was just president. Yeah, it was just president. Biden. It was totally asymmetric. I mean, Pew Research did a study on that and found that between two to four percent of ballots will have a discrepancy between who you vote for for your president and who you vote for for senators. So about two to four four percent ballots will vote for the opposite parties for president and for senator. And what we found is with Trump's ballots, it hit that number. I think in Michigan, for example, it was only about you know seven hundred voters had voted for Trump and for the Democratic senator candidate. When it came to Biden. You had this bizarre anomaly where you had literally 100,000 ballots that had Biden and nobody else. That's, again, it's too strange. Something weird's going on that needs to be 71 million voters have a right to have these things investigated. Yeah, I know. I, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. But this, this cannot be without a lot of questions. Steve, if you have to go, we'll wrap it up. We have a zillion more questions and comments. I'd love to get to some, but I, I know your time and you've got other interviews to do and so forth. You know, maybe, maybe here's the last one if you can't stay, but here's a question from Brent. Okay, Trump can't win without Wisconsin, Michigan, or Penn. Okay, yes. So, well, the two big ones on there are Michigan and Pennsylvania, um, since they have they have the the smaller leads and and they have the most glaring discrepancies there. So, uh, how confident am I that one of these will break for Trump? My confidence is not so much in how they're going to break. My confidence is in Trump's legal team. And in the assessment of what SCOTUS, how SCOTUS is going to break on the on on the Pennsylvania thing. And we'll find out the closer we get as the process starts working itself out. We'll start seeing what the uh, what the chances are. But but make no mistake. I mean, just even recanvassing and recounting could be just enough to change uh, because you're dealing with Biden winning just by a few thousand votes. Again, this is what made people so upset as you have in Texas. Biden lost more counties than any Democrat presidential candidate in history. Now, I know that, that that's partly misleading because Texas was once all Democrat, but he lost more counties in in Texas than any Democrat uh, presidential candidate in history. He lost Texas by eight points. He lost Ohio by eight points. He lost by he lost Florida by almost four points. And yet Fox News sat on all of them. They didn't call them for hours. And then what states do they call right away? Arizona, that whoever wins may win by only a few hundred votes. So it's utterly absurd. And that kind of asymmetry from the media, as well as the irregularities that we're seeing from the voting, 
have, uh, I think, rightly called 71 million people to say, hey, guys, we, we demand better. And if you don't give it to us, you ain't seen nothing yet. We'll be 75 million the next time. Yeah, you know, at least it's it's out in the open. There can be no doubt that there's an agenda. There just can be no doubt anymore. But right. yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. Well, hey, I know you've got to run. If you can stay longer and you want to tackle a couple more of these, feel free. But you know, you said you had to go at uh, at three thirty Eastern. So uh, yeah, why don't we let's do two more? Why don't we do two more? All That's right. So Omar says Omar Hernandez. See. Hispanic people, right? <laughs> like, you know, it, Trump has created his own media uh, with this kind of this kind of channels and others say the truth of things, but is too late. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. If Trump does not win, you know, there's a lot of predictions that he'd be the last Republican president. And, you know, yeah, we'll see about that. I, I think uh, I mean, these are the same people who are, you know, a lot of people said, well, he's going to win in a blowout. I'd be care. It's hard it's hard to prognosticate the exact details of what's going to happen here. When you saw so many Hispanics, so many blacks coming over to Trump's camp this time around. I mean, Tucker Carlson said it best. Florida is the future of the country, not, not California. It's Florida. It it is a, it's a multi-ethnic nationalist sentiment that Mm -hmm. loves being American and loves, and loves to affirm the shared traditions that made so many people leave their country of origin in order to come and be a part of this. They don't want a bunch of pissed off, you know, identity politics demographics, and they don't like it. I know my wife is is from Japan, and she mm-hmm. can't stand it when uh, immigrants play into the whole identity politics yeah. thing. Okay, she's yeah. like, you know, there is that sentiment. Then go back to your old country if things yeah. were so great over there. Right. There is a natural sentiment to say you came here for a reason. Can you please? support and celebrate that reason so we all do it together that kind of thing yeah yeah uh, i i i couldn't agree more couldn't agree more that is true uh, yeah he is holding around uh the, the gateway pundit talked about that today it looks like yes uh, republicans <laughs> remind romney bush and mitch mcconnell so he, it looks like he's going to hold some rallies in particularly some of these swing states to galvanize that 71 million because you have this whole, this very powerful alternative narrative from the, the media that it's all lost and, you know, just we need your sore losers. Let's get on with it. Romney and Bush are not the future of the Republican Party. So I do think the, the issue of will there ever be another Republican president, the, um, the questioning on the type of Republican. Yeah, well, that, that will be true. That will come true. There will not be one if Romney and Bush are allowed, if the neocons are allowed back in. No, there will not be another Republican Party. What Trump absolutely proved, even by this election, is that Trumpism won. Trumpism won. No one's running around talking about open borders. No one's running around talking about shipping jobs overseas. If anything, Biden was trying to be Mr. Manufacturer and blue collar. I know what it's like and blah, blah, blah. And no one is trumpeting political correctness. So those are kind of the three key areas that Trump has decisively won on. And the moment Democrats try to push against that, they're going to see a blowback like they've never seen. Yeah, well, we we shall see. But listen, we know their agenda and we know that all China has to do is give Hunter Biden a consulting gig for $2 million a year and 
you know, <laughs> they, they'll they'll get their trade deal back, right? Hunter Biden on CNN. I love it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Good. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So maybe this will be the last one. Sam uh, says, uh, "Really, it's in, it's it's the people in idiocracy." That's a great movie. You know, yeah, they're easily manipulated. So yeah, the solution is the education engagement. So shows your audience a solution in my mind. Absolutely, Stan. And uh, and we're going, you know, this pandemic has worked in some strange ways. Homeschooling is m- more popular than ever. And this is getting more and more families to break away from the education monopoly and start engaging in more homeschooling-oriented curriculum. And homeschooling-oriented curriculum is overwhelmingly nationalist and populist and traditionalist. Yeah. And uh, that tends to focus on critical thinking skills, laws of logic and the like. So this is good. You also have the classical school movement, of which I'm a part of, that's uh, getting a renaissance now so much so we even have our own SAT that's accepted called the CLT, the classical learning test that's mm-hmm. accepted in uh, the vast majority of universities. So it's really uh, it's really exciting. So have a long-term trajectory. That's the most important. Yeah, you know, it's also another one. I think that the whole, you know, COVID, if you believe it to be a scam or not, whatever you believe it to be, the result of it has put a nail in the coffin of the university government debt enslavement yeah. complex. Yeah. There yeah. is no way people are going to pay these outrageous tuitions to sit in front of a computer screen and watch a professor on Zoom. Okay? Sure. It's, it's just not going to happen. Sure. I got two in, in college now. Believe me, I know. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah, it's absolutely absurd. It really is. But the gold color, your comment, yeah, it's 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 uh, duly noted. You know, uh, we, we got to wrap it up, folks, for Steve, uh, because I know he's got to go. But I did put a link in the chat thread, folks. So uh, look on wh- wherever you're watching. That should go through to Facebook and YouTube, I hope, you know, in the, in the comment thread. And it's the link to this article. You really do need to read it's it's uh it's fascinating for sure and really telling about stuff steve turley wrap it up uh, give out your website whatever you want uh wrap it up with a closing comment and we'll we'll say goodbye for now yeah well they can check me out at my own website turleytalks.com my last name plus talks like tedtalks.com or go to youtube and just punch in dr steve turley you can find all our videos that we do there but yeah as uh, as frustrating as it as this is 71 million strong. That's what we are right now. We are 71 million strong. That is a very, very powerful force for the future. It, it really is. Everybody watching, I'm sorry we did not have a chance to get to all of your, you, there's so many questions and comments. Thank you so much for them. I really apologize. We, there's just no way we could get to all of them, but we love them. I read them all. Okay. So don't worry. They will all be read and they'll somehow come through on another episode in the future. Okay, I'll get to them. But uh, Steve Turley, thank you so much for joining us. Folks, keep the faith. Listen, this is a fight for democratic ideals. Okay, it's not about Trump versus Biden. It's about the system. And, you know, does does it work? Right? That's what we need to know. We don't know who won. Okay, we just don't know. It's a question mark. And we want to know the truth. Uh, So that's the goal here. So thanks so much, everybody. Really appreciate it. And uh, be well.
Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, HartmanMedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own, and if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, 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 o